another week, another episode of Dynamo Discussions, where we talk startups, entrepreneurship, accelerator life, and of course, logistics, because we are the premier logistics accelerator and fund. We have a great show for you this week, very informative from one of our very own MDs, super smart. We talk venture capital, startup funding, mentorship, and more. We also learned this week that our podcast room is not quite as soundproof as we originally thought. So um, at a moment or two, you might hear some distant chatting or giggling. Who are those people? We don't know. But uh, they did make it into our podcast. Hopefully, it's not too distracting. Um, We'll get that figured out. But anyway, we have a great show nonetheless. Enjoy. Hello there. I am Caitlin Wittenberg. And I'm Santosh Sankar. And we are here with Barry Large, the MD at Dynamo. Hello, Barry. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming in to talk with us. Um, Yeah, we want to give people some insights into your role here at Dynamo, kind of what brought you here. You're one of three MDs, um, which I think is pretty unique for uh, for an accelerator. Um, So if you want to just talk a little bit about, I don't know, what brought you here and and what you're excited about with Dynamo. Sure. So, uh, like you mentioned, I'm one of three MDs, and that kind of came through uh, myself and the two other MDs' own entrepreneurial story. We um, started a a freight logistics company uh, just after the turn of the last century, 2002, and grew that together. Uh, And then, uh, you know, as, as... uh, some of you may know, we, we started other uh, logistics companies from that. And so th- this uh, accelerator and, and our roles as MDs are just an extension of that story. And I, you know, uh, in the dynamic of the three of us, I um, have played the role really of, uh, you know, cl- technically the financial uh, mind, the financial person, but really just more symbolically just the pragmatist, uh, many would say maybe realist slash pessimist, (laughs) but I would say pragmatist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and a lot of times just uh, just the the, the governor, like like the governor on a golf cart that just makes sure that we are safe uh, and we, you know, we're, we're heading the right direction, but in the, in a healthy way. Yeah. I feel like, uh, with, between, Ted, yourself, and Alan, uh, you keep everybody grounded, and even just watching and observing the way you mentor teams that you've incubated over the years, you'll you'll make sure that a founder's vision does not get ahead of the reality of where they are and the fact that they need to execute to a quarter or a year versus a pie-in-the-sky sure. five-year goal. Yeah, you know, you uh, when, when you're in a, a founding dynamic where there's partners, and that's the way we operated at access, and that's the way we still mentor. Uh, you just kind of you don't have to be everything to every team as a mentor. Uh, I can rely on Ted now and to play their roles. Ted classically is uh, the networker. He's recruited basically every person we've we ever hired to access, or in every team that we've invested in at Lamp Post. Uh, Alan's more generally the has the vision for. Uh, where where a company should go tech wise and and how it fits into the broader marketplace, and then a little bit more of just the classic. Let's focus on how this company is going to make money. 
how this, the unit economics of the company, like early in a company, of course, especially if you take venture capital, it's about growth, it's about top line growth, it's about user acquisition, but you always gotta be thinking about eventually this company, this model has to make money. You may not have to focus on it early, that's the reason you're taking venture capital, but you have to focus on where will the unit economics of this company be? And if, if you can't justify that at some point, then there's no point of, uh, of starting and running your business. Yeah, totally. And I think um, a lot of the tech companies that have been founded in the last 10 years have only in the last maybe year or two realized that unit economics are very important. Sure. Yeah, I think we're in, um, yeah, the, the last five, six years, of course, of, uh, capital has been flowing rather easily. I think there's a lot of reasons for that, but... Um, there's been a lot of angel money and then increasingly institutional money going into venture. And that's, uh, you know, that's probably abnormal. I think, you know, a lot of institutions and high net worth individuals are looking where they can make return. It's it's been hard in the bond market. It's been hard in the stock public equity market. And so there's a lot of capital in startups. And so valuations have, have... reacted accordingly. And so I think we are in a little bit of a correction there. And so valuations have come down. And when that happens, you um, investors and founders have to focus on um, more classic metrics like, can we cash flow? Uh, how can we operate on less capital? Sure. And I think that's, that's somewhat the environment we're in. There's a little bit of a course correction going on. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So someone like me, as more of a classic pragmatist who wants to, wants to focus on a company and how they're going to make money, I, I'm encouraged by that. As the pragmatist of the group, when you're looking at the, comp- or the teams that apply, um, or even teams that you've invested in a, through Lamppost, what is it that you really look for in those teams? So uh, I really focus on founder dynamics. Uh, idea is an important thing, but I think the idea, the quality of ideas is definitely important, but we found that if you get the right team with the right personalities, the right kind of motivations, that they'll end up finding the right idea. Um, you know, many times the, the original thought of what a company is going to be, you fast forward two years and kind of some pivots and some uh, rethinking, it ends up being something we had materially different than you began. So what we really focus on is what what was the composition of these founders? We like to invest in, um, we're not always uh, held to this rule, but but on, on multiple founders. Uh, that just comes from our own experience, I think. But we've found that kind of that balance of perspective, of skill sets, you can't, it, it's rare that one person has all the qualities you need in a leader, uh, in a business founder. So um, generally, we invest in uh, founding teams that are two or three people, especially when you're investing in a, in a tech company because one of those founders, uh, generally, you want to see being technical to be a, to be a coder or an engineer. And so then uh, you want to balance that with kind of a more classic sales business person. So we look for that dynamic. We look for uh, these founding teams that have 
complementary skill sets that have at least one person in there that uh, is kind of fearless. Uh, they're not kind of fearless, just fearless. That they're they're uh, they have that composition where they'll just forge ahead uh, against all circumstances because it takes that. You know, the the Access America story, our own story, uh, success from the outside came pretty quickly to us. We were 23 years old when we started Access, and it was our first startup, and it ended up, you know, very successful. But I mean, it was a hell of a ride, and there were many, many times in the 12 years of that company's history where we were close to the edge. Uh, and so Ted's uh, and Alan's ability to forge ahead amidst uh, kind of turmoil and, um, and, and adverse circumstances were you have to have that. Because this is to, to start a company and to believe you can build it into something great, you have to be a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because chances are it's not going to happen. Sure. So you have to have that dynamic. And then I would believe, because I uh, believe in myself, that you, you also need someone in there. It, it left unchecked, that uh, most likely that person will just go off the cliff. Uh, and so you need someone else uh, kind of pulling. Uh, and keeping that growth in its proper perspective, and that's just to, to put that in the same person. Uh, it's that's a, there, there are those people that mix all those skills, but they're they're few and far between. Sure. Well, so once you find that right team, um, how do you? Well, I mean, especially with an accelerator, we're gonna we're gonna have a variety of teams with a variety of personalities, with a variety of skills. We're gonna have hardware, software. It just there's so much. There's so many different things and so many different elements to consider. How do you approach mentoring when that is the case? So, you know, I uh, my personal skill set, I think, is more effective um, if the company is already selling a product you know, a little further in the life cycle. So I might gravitate towards, uh, if there's 10 teams here, there may be, uh, a few more that are a little further along, sure. uh, early, but yet you know beyond idea formation, or right. uh, they have may have a few customers, or and so I'll probably gravitate more towards that. I think there's something I can add to each team, um, but we, as founders and as mentors and investors at Lamppost, we tend to uh, it's not even deliberate, but we just gravitate the three of us towards where we can be of most need, and so you can't be everything to everyone as a mentor. So I may focus more, uh, like my day-to-day job right now is I'll focus on more of the teams that are dealing with kind of operational financial business problems. They're, you know, they're, they have uh, accounts receivable. They have funding needs. They got, they're trying to figure out, should we take another round of funding? Should we lower our burn? Should we uh, look at financing opportunities through banks or alternative funding mechanisms? Stuff like that. That's, sure. that's where I would get involved. And, and less so more in uh, just a lot of the vision. Uh, like, is this idea, can this be pulled off by tech? We, I, will, I will lean on and defer to other uh, managing directors and other people in the Lampus family. Sure. Um, I guess going from there, having uh, you know founded a couple logistics businesses, um, you know one of the big things 
or the premise on which Dynamo has been established, one of the uh, pillars was that uh, technology adoption has lagged in this industry. Uh, being an insider, having seen that firsthand to some extent, why do you think that is? And are we there yet? Are, are we at that point where executives realize they need to operate on more modern systems, they need to be willing to explore with their business model in a responsible way. What are your thoughts there? Um, I think increasingly the answer is they're more aware, but I think they're still slow to accept it. I think, you know, many uh, enterprise kind of B2B models uh, where you don't have the the consumer as the ultimate market validator, you uh, find um, kind of a, a reluctance to to accept change. Uh, it's just a disruption to your existing business model, uh, and it's 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 a very rare company that is willing to disrupt themselves. Um, and so uh, there's a, there's certainly an increasing awareness amongst the big logistic players uh, that technology is going to is is rapidly changing every aspect of our lives, but certainly the supply chain. Um, but I think it's still. I think it's still lagging behind. And, you know, the supply chain and logistics is a very broad category. So there's certain parts of it that are embracing it more than others. But coming out of the trucking industry, the, the freight brokerage industry, um, it's still, you know, it's a very fragmented market uh, with a lot of um, small players. And I think the smaller you are as a, um, a company, well, I, I think... I think as a tech company, the smaller you are, the more um, open to change you are. But in this business, or traditional kind of uh, trucking companies, uh, warehousing companies, I think they're they're just slower to, to react to it. Being the the traditional you know business mind, the, the pragmatist. Um, is disrupting yourself something that companies need to consider? Is there an obligation to their shareholders to be willing to disrupt themselves for the long-term viability of their business? What? It's a risk-reward. You know, uh, disrupting yourself yeah. uh, inevitably hurts your short-term returns. And so when you are answering to public shareholders, uh, you know, th- there has to be an increased focus on next quarter's uh, stock price, next year's stock price. Um, there are the bold CEOs of public companies that don't think that way. Jeff Bezos is one who for 15 years has focused on the long term, reinvesting their profits and growth uh, in a, an incredibly aggressive, rapid way. And so it's a gamble. Uh, I, I would believe the answer is is uh, yeah, you have to disrupt yourself to assure that you will exist in 15, 20 years. I think the the life cycle of a company continues to shrink and shrink and shrink. And sure. so the, the the model that you have that works for you, the, the length of time that will be effective continues to shrink. Yeah. And so there's there's less of a generous runway to keep doing business the way you've always done business. Sure. I think that speaks to how even... Like, when a company is starting, it's important to have, when you're hiring, when you're starting your team, it is always important, no matter what industry or even what level you're at in your business, to have people on your team who are more risk 
takers, more risk aversive. Um, so it's, I, I just, it, it reminded me that like when a company is hiring, it's important to not just hire people like you, because when it gets to that point where the industry is changing yep. or something changes, you're not going to see it coming. Um, yeah, I think the same way that you uh, pick. A lot of times, founding teams come together in a very organic, non-deliberate way. They're yep. friends, or they. But make sure, even when you start, that you're you're compl- you have complementary worldviews, skill sets as your founders, and then as you hire people, I mean, keep hiring people who are smarter than you, who are more aggressive than you, who are more intuitive than you, like, and and make sure you have a diverse. Uh, uh, employee pool. Sure. Um, I guess swinging into current events, you mentioned Amazon, but you know, headlines cropped up last week that Amazon was sniffing around Frankfurt Airport out in Germany. Um, you know, what are your thoughts there, you know, around Amazon? People view them as the e-commerce king, but, you know, behind all that, you know, they might actually be a logistics giant in, in disguise. Sure. And that's all. When you really look at what they are, is they are uh, a logistics company, uh, um, and uh, with Bezos' philosophy, um, I don't think there's anything, any part of the uh, uh, supply chain or any part of their uh, kind of from 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 the beginning to the end of the consumer experience that they're not interested of owning, uh, and so it's it's obvious for the last year or so that. They're certainly focusing on every aspect of their supply chain, um, and I, I don't think that's going to slow down. Um, and they're they have such capital because the market, the the, the shareholders, the, so believes in his vision. They're going to continue to buy his stock price, even though some of the classic, you know, financial metrics yeah. would argue against it. <laughs> so he's going to continue to, in my mind, uh, uh, have the capital to, to aggressively try to own um, the world. I mean, if you look at what they're... I mean, there's there's not a uh, part of the consumer e-commerce uh, experience that he's not trying to, to own from content creation to... And now it's things like uh, this B2B web services. Just it's, it's an incredible story. I, I don't see that changing. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting time for companies like UPS and uh, FedEx who have... Um, you know, benefited greatly from the Amazon growth in the, the the last mile kind of partial delivery, but it's pretty clear that it's it's their intention, Amazon's, to just go direct in every aspect of it. Sure. Yeah. Um, that kind of brings me to, to the next point. We actually have uh, spoken to uh, a couple companies uh, doing the, the sidewalk delivery robots, but the one is actually piloting just down the road a few hours from us in, on the University of Arkansas's campus. What are your thoughts there? You know, having experience in trucking, a big part of kind of the logistics um, kind of framework is this last mile. And where do you see the last mile going? We have, you know, runners right now. We have, we're human-driven right now, but do you see robots? Is that something that is not as far off as people think? Just a robot coming down the street with your UPS package? or? No, oh, I think it's certainly inevitable. Uh, you know, there's still not a lot of 
examples in our economy where that classic of a of a robot is um, is a part of the daily kind of consumer experience. Sure, there there's they are absolutely taking over and have taken over the factory, yep. the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next frontier is kind of interacting with consumers and with citizens. Sure. And so it's, it's certainly that's inevitable. I mean, I believe fully autonomous delivery, fully autonomous uh, cars, trucks, that is absolutely inevitable. And it, it could happen technically faster than it will actually happen. Yeah. Uh, because I think just the, the, the impact to the common person uh, is going to be dramatic. Yeah. And regulation and, and governments will get involved and probably slow down the inevitability of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think things like kind of um, things like uh, sidewalk delivery will come before, uh, perhaps before fully autonomous vehicles on the road. Sure. Um, yeah. but, 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 you know, I, I think, again, I go back to it. The technology is, is basically here. It's how irrational citizens and then uh, governments will react to this more pervasive, visible presence of automation slash robots. Sure. And I guess part of the fun of, of not knowing is that we are involved in... Sure. And, you know speaking with founders and helping them navigate these challenges. Absolutely. So that's, that's, I think, where everybody here at Dynamo has a lot of fun. Um, you know, one last thing kind of I wanted to touch on um, is we've seen uh, since last fall that uh, venture um, investments are starting to go down. People are starting to think twice before funding uh, a founder, whether it be the first time or even follow on. Uh, what are your thoughts there, you know, impact on valuations as, as, as you view it? And, um, you know, how does that kind of expand out to the logistics supply chain world that we live in? Sure. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I think capital has been plentiful uh, because I think we're in a post uh, 2008 recession, we've been in an interesting financial environment. Uh, rates are, have been so low for so long, it's hard to make money in fixed income. Um, the equity markets have had a good run, but right now it's, you know, the last couple of years, it's it's tampered uh, kind of the expectations. And um, so it's it's not a given that you can just put your money in the market and make 10%. Yep. And so it's People are looking for um, internationals. I mean, there's just not there's not a lot of places where rich people can uh, make solid returns. Yeah. And 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 venture, and early stage investing. Let's be honest. It's basically a place for high net worth and, and mm-hmm. institutions to invest yeah. money. Um, and so there's just been there's been a lot of money put into it. And I also I think you know kind of the sexiness and popularity of of tech startups and venture capital has just become more um, more known yeah. uh, to the general public. So there's just a lot more attention. Uh, and, you know, uh, startup entrepreneurs are becoming like celebrities almost. Uh, athletes want to be uh, yeah. venture capital and uh, musicians want to be venture capital. So there's just kind of this awareness of it. So all that combined together kind of sets itself up for kind of an inflated environment. I'm not saying that there's necessarily a bubble that will pop. I think it's already uh, popping in a healthy way. Sure. Not, not through a dramatic just 
instant correction, but through right. just valuations, correcting themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that funding environment's different. I think great companies with great businesses will still get funded. Yeah. Um, and I just think that there's a renewed focus on how is this company going to make money. Uh, the, the focus of the last five, ten years is it's kind of like the Peter Thiel, it's a zero-sum game. Mm-hmm. You start a business, especially in the consumer, and, and it's a race to be the monopoly. Yep. And in that environment, when you're a race to be a monopoly, you've got to grow fast and you've got to have more capital than everybody else. Right. I think maybe in this renewed focus in B2B mm-hmm. enterprise, kind of going into older industries, not trying to create an industry, right. there's... It's not a zero-sum game necessarily. Yep. Um, and so, you know, you can focus earlier on um, making sure this business is sound, um, scalable yet sound. Right. And so, uh, you know, there, there, there's been this path to success the last five years that you have to keep. Once you start raising, you can never stop raising. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily the path for every company. So one of the goals of us is we believe that there's a different... Uh, based on the founders' desires, based on the business they're in, there's not one funding path for every company, and right. so we'll, we'll we'll help them understand what their end game is, what their goals are for the company, and it may not be seed A B C D E exit. It mm-hmm. could be there's a variation in all that, and and I think as mentors, because we we have seen both sides, we. We started Access and grew it without venture capital, um, but we've also uh, taken venture capital in some of our other ventures. Sure. And we're also venture capitalists, so th- there's just not a one-size-fits-all. Sure. Theory. And and I, I, I like that last point you touched on, that each team has different needs and therefore should carve their own path, and I think that's one thing uh, with uh, the Accelerator program is we want to take up to 10 teams, and it's because we want to be able to give them the time to tailor our thoughts, perspectives, and recommendations to their individual needs. Um, I, I think that that's very important to, to convey and communicate. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Barry, for talking with us. No problem. Um, teams, if you apply and you get accepted, you'll get this guy as, a, as an awesome mentor. And also about Barry is he loves to talk about sports. <laughs> and much to Caitlin's chagrin. At first, it was a little overwhelming, but now I'm getting into it. Um, what sports will be going on during the program? Uh, let's see. So we're in July through um, September. Now, a baseball. Yeah, which I'm not a baseball fan. Oh, okay. So July, August. July is the, is the deadest time of year for sports. Mm-hmm. So it's a good Good thing for the the, the, uh, the teams here, but let's be honest. Once August hits, college football, college yeah. football, and, and preparation for the the fantasy draft will begin in it's earnest. It's a big deal here, just so y'all know. It's a big deal. Um, okay, well, thanks again, um, and uh, have a good day. All right, thanks, thanks, Barry. That's it for this week's Dynamo discussions. We'll be back next week, Wednesday around noon, for some more great interviews, more discussions. So check us out. You can follow us on social media. We have an Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and a blog. Check us out at This Is Dynamo. And you can learn more about our accelerator and our fun at hellodynamo.com. Thanks so much. Have a great week.